The privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. I'm Adrienne McDonald and welcome to the Mindset Strategist Podcast. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back. Or if it's your first time, welcome. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the drama triangle. And last week, we talked about the spectrum of narcissism. And this week, we're going to dive a little bit more into the physiological aspect of ourselves. As you've heard me say before, I believe that there is a psychological, physiological, and energetic component to mindset. There are a couple of things that I wish everyone had to read and learn about in school. And this subject is one of those things. It is the brain chemical dopamine and how that single chemical drives a lot of our behavior and unconsciously. And it's not a small statement when I tell you that developing an understanding, or at least a layman's understanding, of how dopamine affects behavior very much made so many things about my own behavior click. And I, and through that understanding, I've been able to make some changes that, quite frankly, eluded me for my entire adult life until I discovered this. Dopamine is considered by many people to be the pleasure molecule of the brain, and the pathway to dopamine-producing cells is called the reward circuit. Now, that sounds great and somewhat benign, doesn't it? Except it's so much more complex than that. The molecule is a relatively recent discovery. It was discovered in 1957 by Kathleen, and I'll probably screw up her name, Montego, And it was initially thought to be just a precursor to norepinephrine, which is basically adrenaline. That's what adrenaline is called when it's actually in your brain and not the rest of your body, when it's specifically found in your brain. And what she and the team discovered was that only 0.0005 of brain cells produce dopamine, and that's about 1 in 2 million. However, the impact on behavior was very significant. Now, I think that this is very interesting because this is, I mean, this discovery was made not too long before I was born. Um, So this is all relatively new research. I mean, we are continuously finding out new things about the brain every day. And so in practical terms, what does this really look like? Well, You know how you meet someone and you are all about them, you can't wait to hear about them, every ping on your phone, you're hoping it's a text for them, if you're planning to go to dinner with them, you'll think about them all day, and generally have like all those tangles, and some people call this like the honeymoon phase of the relationship, that's dopamine in action. And dopamine isn't an actual mark of, like it's... It's not about getting the pleasure. It's as much as it is anticipating the pleasure. It's all about the reaction to the unexpected. It's a po- it's the possibilities. It's the anticipation. It all of that makes you just feel more alive and focused and it does all these things to your senses. And scientists call this the possibility outcome and wait, I'm sorry. 
the possibility-anticipation combo. It's the novelty. Reward-prediction-error. That's what they call it. Reward-prediction-error. And the simplest things can set this reward circuit in motion. Now, why does that honeymoon period end? Because we, you know, most of us have experienced that, and it's amazing. It's familiarity. Once dopamine figures out it's not living in the future, because dopamine sort of loves to live in the future, I think it it just shuts down. It just shuts down. Now, I think they should probably call this the desire molecule versus the pleasure one for that reason, because desire is all about that anticipation. And dopamine makes us want things, like right now. Right now. There's a sense of urgency with it, and it doesn't matter if you need it, and it doesn't matter if it's good for you. It will trigger all the feels and all the energy. It just wants it right now. And then it wants more. Because just because you got it, that's not enough. And that's a great thing and can help you focus and drive you forward. Once you have it, though, this job is over and it shuts down. And there is a chemical letdown, if you will, during that process. So you've all heard about the sugar high and you crash. That's the crash. Um, it's more complicated than with sugar, but that's the general gist of it. We've all felt that. Like I said, remember when I talked about when the honeymoon phase is over, different brain chemicals come in when that phase ends. And if those chemicals don't have an opportunity to set, then the relationship's probably not going to last. Now, there is addiction in my family, both in alcohol and drug realms. And I've had conversations with people over the years that have struggled and they've gone to rehab. And I asked them, I said, was this ever discussed, this reward circuit? And unfortunately, the answer was always no. Um, I think that's very unfortunate because I think that when you learn about how something works, you're more likely to implement changes or, and, and certainly was in my case. When you take drugs, they will hit the dopamine circuit. And there is nothing that happens naturally as humans that's going to match that. Not not really food, sex, love, nothing. Like the really addictive drugs like heroin, cocaine, etc. Nothing matches that. And I think Russell Brand said something that really stopped me and really changed my perception with people that are unfortunately addicted to to drugs. And I think he was specifically talking about heroin in this case. He said that you must accept that you will never feel that good again. And I thought, wow, that's that's a very powerful statement. And in a way, he's very accurate. The research shows that nothing spikes dopamine like drugs. In fact, I think in heroin in particular spikes it more than anything else that has been tested. And this is why drugs are so addictive, because a person is chasing dopamine. Alcohol does this too. Food, sugar, sex, gambling, all can be addictive behaviors because they're chasing dopamine. The more 
they they do the the dopamine sur- the more they chase the dopamine surface the more addicted they are and over times uh, a person will require more to experience that same level because um, over time the dopamine receptors change so desire Dopamine overpowers the rational mind, and that's what we see in a lot of cases. Now, there are less, um, shall we say, intrusive, uh, destructive behaviors that also involve dopamine, like social media, video games, getting those little likes, that's dopamine. High-performance sports stars, they generally are for the most part, if they're functional, know how to manage their dopamine. Now, but we can see this go off the rails too. So let's take Tom Brady, for example. He retired, and then he immediately came back. Now remember, dopamine lives in the future. One of the reasons why I think it's, that's one of the reasons why I think it's more of a desire molecule than a pleasure molecule. And for for Mr. Brady, one would think that when he left the NFL, and I can't, I can only imagine. I'm I'm not even sure I can imagine how chasing something as grand as like a, a Super Bowl trophy, um, and then getting it would like that. That's a its own type of high right there, right? And. It also, I mean, that that's one of the more positive things about dopamine. It can drive us to, like, overcome and, you know, thrive in competition. It's that hype. It's all about the want but not the get. So another example of this is when you see Michael Jordan win a championship. He always held up one finger. It was like, it's one more. That was actually helping him manage his dopamine because he was saying, okay, all right, this is great. Maybe, maybe one more. I, I don't want to get too high on this particular win. Now, some people tend to have more dopamineergic personalities than others. Now, this can manifest in different ways. I tend to think of the high-performing sports stars as that type of person. Um, the people in your life that are thrill seekers, they want more novelty or adventure in their lives. Those people tend to have more dopaminergic personalities. Now, research shows that there are certain genes that they believe they found that sort of you might have a genetic predisposition for that. Now, why do I bring this up? Because awareness is key. And just because you feel something doesn't necessarily mean you need to act on it. And I believe, and I have seen, when a person understands how something is working, the easier it is for them to think through things rather than react. And a big part of personal development is respond versus react. And as I said, dopamine lives in future time, whereas personal growth is very focused on present time. There's a time in our evolution where dopamine kept our species literally alive. But we've evolved past that a lot. But the ancient part of our brains has not. And our society is a large reflection of that. 
faster and faster, more and more. How many of you have been pissed off when Amazon Prime did not show up the next day? Now, I know I have been guilty of this. In fact, I am guilty of this right now. Because uh, I have something that's coming next Monday. And I thought, hey, man, I, where's my next day? Particularly when we have this this time of year where we're expecting that instant gratification package, right? But this is about controlling your mind or it will control you. Are you going to be in the driver's seat? Are you going to allow dopamine to be there? Now, this information, but let's take this information and talk about toxic environments and toxic relationships to give some insight. If you were raised in a highly dysfunctional or toxic environment, and think about narcissism that we talked about last week, or you have been in a relationship like that, your reward circuit was affected. And it's probably driving some of your behavior, and you're completely unconscious about it. And why is this? Because if you're in an unpredictable environment, dopamine is going to love that. Because remember, dopamine loves novelty. Doesn't matter if it's toxic. It's going to get used to that novelty. It's that that's its zone is novelty. And because you were in an unpredictable environment, you you just become used to that and it becomes accustomed to it. So that's what you seek out. How many people do you know jump from drama-filled relationship to drama-filled relationship? And when they meet a nice quote-unquote nice person, I hate that word, nice person, they just find them boring. And that's because they're used to chasing the dopamine. They're always looking for the other shoe to drop. That's what feels normal to them. That's the roller coaster that they're on. Or the person is a serial cheater. They're not chasing love. They're chasing dopamine. That little honeymoon period, they just want honeymoon period after honeymoon period after honeymoon period because they haven't figured out psychologically what's going on. And physiologically, it's just being driven by the chasing of the dopamine. Remember the drama triangle? Lots of dopamine going on there. Lots of chasing. And again, this is the dark side of dopamine. Dopamine is a powerful part of the complex beauty beauty of our beautiful minds, right? I was a hardcore dopamine chip, a chaser. And whether that be in the jobs that I took, my personal relationship, or all of them, or what I was putting in my body as far as nutrition or alcohol, etc. And when I took a deep dive into this subject, it was so fascinating and very insightful. I tend to like, or I tended to like very chaotic environments to work in and chaotic people to be involved with. And unconsciously, I was making choices where I would be continuously disappointed so I could stay on that roller coaster. There are lots of alcoholics in my family, and although I never considered myself an alcoholic, there were definitely times in my life where I was not in a healthy relationship with alcohol and was using it as like a coping mechanism. But probably the most insightful part of this for me was in my intimate relationships. I was a great relationship hopper. So always looking out for that next 
great relationship, that mythical chaste relationship. And when I was in a relationship, if there wasn't some drama, I was stirring the pot to get the drama because chaos was the name of the game. And it was a black hole of when was it going to be enough because that hole was never going to be filled. And some of that was psychological and some of that was energetic and some of that was physiological with the chasing of the dopamine. Developing a deeper understanding of dopamine as well as other brain chemistry and how it affects behavior was a big component of how I was able to get off that roller coaster. To be more present, to gain clarity on what I really wanted, not just what I thought I wanted, to be able to stick to boundaries, to be able to enjoy calmness and harmony, and also be able to focus on the future in a healthy, positive way, a productive way, a more soul-filled way. It helped me, it also helped me to have a different relationship with my nervous system because that's what trauma is. Trauma dysregulates your nervous system. And that's part of what you have to heal. And now I have a much more aware and healthy relationship with dopamine, I feel. Um, If I do start to get ramped up, I can consciously bring myself back to a centered state and regain clarity if I need to. And like I said, dopamine isn't bad, but it needs, it doesn't need to be in the driver's seat. And I, I use it to my advantage now. And I'm much more conscious. I'm just much more conscious of how my body's reacting to things. And I'm much more in response mode versus react mode. Now, we have only touched on the tip of this subject today. And if this interests you, I encourage you to dive into this a a bit deeper. This is one of the subjects that I like to dive into with clients during my immersion retreats because it can be such an eye-opener. I highly recommend the book The Molecule of More by Daniel Lieberman and Michael Long. I probably have read that book at least that that one at least eight times. Um, And they also have a lot of clinical studies that have been done that are referenced in each chapter. And I've read a lot of the the particular studies that were uh, referenced there. Just an overall great book. The Huberman Lab podcast also did a couple of episodes on dopamine that were amazing. Andrew Huberman is a neuroscientist out of Stanford University. And he talks about some protocols that help you sort of dampen the effects of dopamine to take more control. Because as I said, um, you, you, there, are, there are things that you can do to get, uh, be more aware, but also take control of your reward circuit. And there's a book by Dr. Anna, and I'll probably murder her last name, Limbeck. It's called um, Dopamine Nation. That's also quite interesting. She 
was also on the Huberman Lab podcast. She is, if I'm not mistaken, a psychiatrist out of Stanford as well, specializes in addiction. Um, and I've read that book, I think twice, maybe. Um, but there are certainly a lot of options out there. And like I said, I encourage you to dive into this subject a little bit more because it is always good to know what is driving us as humans. Um, I hope you found this very insightful and I look forward to connecting next week. Thanks for listening to the Mindset Strategist podcast. If you'd like more information, check out my website at www.adriannmcdonald.com. 